Good morning. It's so good to be back with you. God has so blessed us to grant us this fellowship that we share together. And I sure do love you all and count it a privilege to come and to share the Lord's Word with you each week. And that's one of the highest honors that anyone could ever be given. And I rejoice in it and I'm very thankful for it. Uh, two things as we begin. You see on the screen our trip for Ecuador is shaping up. We're getting ready to finalize our team. If you are thinking about going and you've not contacted us, this week would be the best week for you to do that. After that, it will be hard for us to, to include you or get tickets. So if you would make contact with us, we'd be glad to talk to you about it. Our next meeting, you can see on the screen there coming up uh, very swiftly, the 24th of March at 6.40 p.m. in the choir room. So uh, also, I want to mention to you uh, the men's retreat coming up. I'm hoping that, guys, you've already signed up. If you haven't, we can still squeeze you in. Even if there's rain, we have a good time together in fellowship. If you like mountain biking, we're going to try to squeeze some of that in. Golfing, if weather permits, and same thing with fishing. But uh, fellowshipping, eating together, teaching of the Lord's Word, we'll be able to do that regardless of the weather. So please come out and join us. I look forward to this time every year as we rejoice together. Opening your Bibles to Second Timothy, I want to apologize a little bit to the students who were at BCM this past Thursday because what I'm doing now is a good bit of what I did with them on Thursday, but I really felt burdened on Friday after having shared that message that it was an, a part of how I ought to pray for us as a congregation. So that's kind of how I'm titling this, is how your pastor is going to pray for you, and I'm going to build it on some things that the Apostle Paul had to say to Timothy. Second Timothy is a very important letter because it's, the last word we get from the Apostle Paul. This is the last writing that we possess that he did. It's the latest dated and it gives us a clue to what was going on shortly before Paul's life was taken that was a consequence of his gospel ministry. And he's writing to a young minister, Timothy, the second time that we possess. He may have written to him a number of times. We don't know, but God has given us Holy Scripture recording two times that he's written to Timothy. And in this second time, Paul is wanting to set Timothy up to do what Paul has done, and that is to finish well. Paul is writing about how he's finishing And he's modeling that to Timothy, and he's wanting Timothy to embrace it. And in writing about that, Paul tells him some things about himself, Paul. He tells some things to Timothy about himself, Timothy. And then he says some things about others that are helpful to us. And so what I want to do this morning is first remind you of sort of the spirit of prayer. And that is that Jesus has taught us that we should always pray. This should be the disposition that you and I should be practicing all the time. We ought always to pray. This is the lesson that Jesus was passing on to his disciples, and he has passed on to us, and they have passed on to us, that we ought 
always to pray. When I talk with believers, I find out frequently that for them, just like for me, real, genuine, serious, practiced prayer is a challenge. And it's invaded by a host of distractions and reasons and all kinds of things that happen that seem to make us think that it's okay to live lives that are prayerless. And I believe that's very sinful of us. And I confess to you how my prayer life had become something where I'm always following behind events and sort of praying after them rather than coming in front and praying beforehand. And so what I'm sharing with you today is three things, and I'll give them to you at the end today, that I'm specifically praying in front of you, that I'm praying for you daily, and that I'm asking for us as a congregation. And it's rooted in some lessons that we have in Paul's writing to Timothy. Now you know that the prayerful mindset is that we may know God. That's engaging Him, that we may know Him personally, relationally, uh, that we may engage in discourse with Him, conversation, that we may know Him. And that that is the goal of all that we do in life, is to know God in that personal way. And that that moves into something. It begins to, to grow us in His likeness as we are conformed through our faith in Christ to the image of His Son. And then we are missionally to go out and show other people what God is like by how we behave. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy about Timothy's behavior. Paul is sharing with Timothy about Paul's behavior. And then Paul exposes the behavior of one particular man on his mission and ministry team as a warning to Timothy and to us. I have three key words I want to share with you today. The first key word is patterns. Patterns. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, describes the patterns of his life. He gives it in that threefold statement that we frequently hear at a funeral. And unfortunately, we kind of registered it as a funeral thing, kind of like we registered 1 Corinthians 13 as a wedding thing. We've kind of registered uh, this passage in 2 Timothy as sort of a funeral thing. And we'll say it often over someone's life at their funeral and we rejoice in them. And I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I think it gets too identified with death and not enough with how we ought to be living. And so Paul talks about the patterns of his life. Those patterns are pretty basic, he says in verse 7. I've fought the good fight. It was a pattern, an external, surface, noticeable pattern of Paul's life that he fought the good fight. He was constantly contending with evil. He was fighting evil with prayer. He was fighting evil with evangelism. He was fighting evil with the gospel. And he was, from the moment of his salvation, he was in this huge spiritual war. And all through the stories of Paul's life, you can see clearly on the surface of his life that he had this pattern of 
contending, of fighting the good fight. We see also that next portion of verse 7, he says, I've finished the course. Earlier in Paul's ministry, he was getting ready to leave the Ephesian area, and he gathered the elders of the Ephesian church. And he said that he had one goal, and that was to finish the course that God had given him. Now, in that terminology, he's reaching back into sort of the sports motif of his day, when a runner was given a particular course to run that had all kinds of difficulties and challenges, uh, that runner, in order to receive the prize, had to finish the course. And so Paul sees himself as this boxer who stays in the ring and stays in the fight no matter what kind of blows come to him. And then he says this runner who stays on course and he keeps running no matter what kind of obstacles are in his way. And so this was a pattern of Paul's life. He actually used this illustration earlier in his ministry to say this is what my life goal is, is to finish the course that God has laid out for me, and that's to bring the gospel to the nations, and particularly to the Gentiles. And so he's running that course. And so Paul's reflecting, and he's saying, Timothy, here's the patterns of my life. I uh, have a pattern of being uh, this fighter. I have a pattern of being this runner, and, and in both things, going all the way to the end, finishing. And then he says, and I have kept the faith. The reason for the obstacles on the run and the reason for the blows that Paul received in the fight was just one reason. His faith in Jesus Christ. That was it. The reason that he had to contend, he had to fight, was Jesus. The reason that he had to overcome obstacles was Jesus. Because he was following Christ, what Christ had called him to, and therefore the world, the flesh, and the devil came after him to fight him on his journey. And so Paul kind of lays out some patterns. The first part of the patterns we call surface patterns. They're the visible patterns of life. They're the things that are out there that everybody can see. If you read the book of Acts, you could see the patterns of Paul's life. You could see his evangelism. You could see his preaching. You could see his teaching. You could see his reproving. You could see his rebuking. You could see his exhorting. You could see him living out all the things he told Timothy to do. So you see these patterns very clearly in Paul's life. On the surface, you can see them very, very clearly. And he stays consistent throughout his life. And he's getting ready to die. He knows that the time of his departure has come. And people, when they know their lives are ending, they begin to reflect. They begin to think about, what have I accomplished? What good do I leave behind? What am I going to answer for in that day? And so, he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to see the pattern of my life, and these are the obvious things. But Paul knows another truth, and he's helping Timothy work through that truth. And I'll show you how in a second. The other truth is that not only do we have surface patterns, we have secret patterns. 
The secret patterns are what's going on in our mind, in our heart, in our affections, in our emotions that lay below the surface of what is obvious to others. There's this set of things that we do that we want people to see. And then there's this set of things that we are beneath that. Now what Paul is after in Timothy's life is that these two things line up. That the surface patterns and the secret patterns are the same. Why is Paul teaching this? Well, there's lots of reasons, but Paul grew up in the Pharisee community. The community in which Jesus most spoke of a difference, a disconnect between their surface patterns and their secret patterns. In fact, in describing the Pharisees, here's what Jesus said. Surface pattern, this people honors me with their lips. Secret pattern, but their heart is far from me. So Paul, having grown up a Pharisee, and knowing that religious communities are the best hiding places in the world for secret sin. Paul knew. When Jesus spoke of the Pharisees, he said things like this, You are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look clean and painted and all fixed up but the inside is full of dead men's bones. He would later say to the Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup or the pot or the pitcher, but inside is full of all sorts of adulteries and envies and murders and immoralities. And so Paul understood that the great danger for the confessing church The great danger for the confessing believer was that somehow what was going on on the surface was not really what was going on in secret. And that there was a disconnect between those two. And so Paul is going to write to Timothy and say, Timothy, I want to help you get your head around this. Your greatest danger and the greatest danger of those in your flock is when this surface pattern and this secret pattern are not the same. That on the surface there's prayer and there's attendance and there's Bible reading and Bible quoting and correct politics and whatever things that a community might think of. But down under that, There's something deeply wrong, disturbed, unresolved, deeply, willfully, continually sinful. 
And so as Paul begins to describe to Timothy these surface patterns, he's going to allude to some secret patterns. Now, I'm going to give that to you in just a second, but I want you to think through how many times the Scripture warns us of such things. In Romans 2.16, the Bible says that God is going to judge the secrets of men's hearts. In Jesus' teaching on several occasions, He said, There is nothing hidden. There is nothing in secret that will not be revealed. Now those are scary things. The book of Hebrews talks about the Word of God being living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to pierce between the division of joint and marrow of soul and spirit. And he says, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of a person's heart. In other words, the Word of God slices through the surface patterns. Cuts below them. Penetrating through all of our traditions, penetrating through all of our external habits, and cutting down and poking down into who we are in secret. In Psalm 102, there's this passage that says, The righteous man walks with integrity in his house. The reference there is to the idea of when you're alone and nobody is watching. What you're thinking, what you're doing, how you're living. And when the matchup of righteous surface patterns meets the matchup of righteous secret patterns, the word to describe that is integrity. Integrity is when our external patterns of godliness rise from the actuality, the reality of righteous secret patterns. And the integrity is when those two become one. All of the work of discipleship in the church, is to draw those two things together. If we work only on surface things through legalism, all we do is breed a community where everybody is worried about how they look and not concerned about what they are. And that's a dangerous community. It's what the Pharisees had become. So Paul, having come out of Phariseeism, understands that if there are going to be 